0: Um, We poke a lot at media because that's I'm on the other side of them so much. But I've always made it clear that I have the heart of a journalist. It's how I started. I have this. I use the same skill set. And, you know, it is the core for democracy is freedom, a free press.
1: Welcome back to Stop Talking. It's the show about crisis communications management, miniature poodles All things newsworthy and some good friends chatting about other random stuff. Uh, Sarah, so nice to be back with you once again uh, with Margaret's here, right? The magnificent Margaret. She's in my lap. We'll see how long that lasts. And she perches on the couch in here, which is uh, uh, an interesting, I think it's a vantage point for her more than than anything, right? She wants
0: to keep her eyes on us and there's a little indentation in the couch um,
1: that she has created. That's her spot. It's a Margaret moment is what that is. (laughs) So, uh, and we have a terrific guest today uh, one of your one of your very good friends. Would you like to introduce?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, we have Carolyn Serbin, who is a newly retired print journalist. Although she's going to say that she comes from digital, um, but Carolyn and I have known each other. We were trying to calculate how many years we we think it's we know it's more than twenty five years that we've been really good friends. And um, she's going to kind of tell us a little bit about her background because she's got a really Terrific career that um,
1: we celebrate. Well, we are so glad you're here, Carolyn. Tell us, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your career. We'd love to hear about it.
2: Well, it's really great to be here. It's always fun to hang out with Sarah and Margaret. Of course, um, like Sarah said, I I was a print journalist and I had uh, editing jobs across the country. Most, um, notably, I guess, at the Dallas Morning News where I was Sunday editor and edited a Pulitzer Prize winning package and was an editor on another Pulitzer finalist that was for, um, breaking news. But, um, any journalist nowadays has to be print, digital, broadcast. They have to be everything because that's just the, the nature of the, of the beast these days. And so I ended up my career doing, um, covering the White House and Congress Uh, editing the coverage of the White House and Congress for USA Today and being a correspondent for BBC Radio. Wow.
1: Wow, I think that's awesome. So USA Today, how long were you doing that?
2: Uh, I was at USA Today five years. Okay. And before that, I was an investigative editor at the Scripps Washington Bureau. Wow.
1: And how did you guys meet?
2: (laughs) Sarah picked me up at a Kinko's. It
0: it happens. It kind of (laughs) did. Carolyn took a break from journalism and had a business. And uh, so we met, you know, I had kind of gone out on my own. And so we met here in town in Orlando. So she she hasn't lived here for a long time. Um, So she's moved back to Florida and she just came over for the weekend. So we thought it would be fun for her to be on the podcast.
1: Very nice. And Carolyn, you're you're over in Cape Canaveral, I think you said, right?
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Right. So for those of you listening, that's about 45 minutes on the coast where NASA is here in, in central Florida.
2: Yep, and we just open up the door and watch the rocket launches. It's pr- pretty awesome. Isn't
1: it? <laughs> like, I, I don't think anyone who ha- like doesn't live in Central Florida can appreciate how amazing it is to be able to walk down the street and look to the east and just watch a rocket or a space shuttle. It, it, it's life. I mean, it's amazing, especially when you watch the the boosters now that return. Uh, that gives me goosebumps because they literally take those boosters and drop them directly on a launch pad.
0: Well, I'm gonna. I know she wants to. So I went over to visit her a couple of weeks ago, and we're sitting on her balcony, and we're looking at the water, and it's beautiful. And Because Carolyn is, out of everybody I know, Carolyn is the most curious person I've ever met. She is curious about everything, and so she studies everything. We're sitting, and she says, let's go. They're going to be bringing the boosters in. And I said, what does that mean? And she says they pick them up, and they they take them in to port. And she and her husband um, drove us over. We picked up some lunch. We parked, and we were in the channel area, and we watched them bring these boosters in. And they're vertical. You know, they're upright. They're huge. But they just knew exactly when they were coming in, where they would be. Here they come. Watch. They'll be coming around. They described every moment of it. It was hilarious, but that's just typical Carolyn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's quite the trait for a journalist, though. I mean, I've met so many journalists, and that is honestly one of their core traits is they are so naturally curious about everything that or nosy or nosy, but it, it Carolyn's nosy and too. you'll appreciate this, Sarah. It <laughs> forces them to dig deep wow. and, and unpack things.
0: Right. <laughs> Meryl. Yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> so uh, again, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And I, I do want to, you know, address, we, we haven't, uh, the podcast hasn't been around for, for a hot minute as the kids say. And, um, you know, there's some, there's been some transition. So, um, not only uh, with myself, but with you, Sarah. So why don't you um, kind of tell us what's what's going on and what's happening?
0: Well, why don't you say yours first? Because yours happened first. Well oh, mine's
1: boring. Um, well,
0: no, no, it wasn't at the time. <laughs> well,
1: so a while back, um, I owned on Target uh, Digital Marketing, which produced this podcast. And um, I, uh, after 16 years of owning it, just kind of woke up and decided I wanted to do something different with my life. So I, I, I did sell, uh, the company and, uh, unfortunately that kind of stopped a big part of the podcast. Um, but it wasn't just, you know, it, this isn't about me. It's, it's much more about what's, what's happening with you, Sarah. no.
0: Yeah, well, um, so, uh, in, um, July, July 31st, my husband passed away. Uh, it, it um, was unexpected, but it was after um, a number of years where he was dealing with um, a degenerative neurological condition called progressive supranuclear palsy, which is sort of similar to ALS. It falls under the umbrella of Parkinsonisms, but um, and it was determined that he got this from being exposed to Agent Orange when he served in Vietnam. And you know, and you, you knew Brady, and he was. Um, Carolyn knew him as well. And, um, you know, he was 77 when he passed away, but he was um, in great health until the final year of his life. Um, he was running six miles a day. He was fit. He was, you know, doing all the things he did around the house and, um, you know, normal, active, fabulous life. And then um, this this condition has specific um, circumstances with it, like um, choking and falling and all those kinds of things, and so those got progressively worse. Um, and um, I, I, I don't, I can't talk about it today necessarily, but um, it, you know, his um, passing I think was accelerated because he had been in the hospital in the ER and um, set of circumstances. Um, he ended up leaving the hospital not with anybody's authority or permission or knowledge, and ended up falling um in a busy roadway and the reason I'm going into those details is because some amazing woman pulled him out of traffic and saved his life and he he didn't survive the circumstances after the fall but this woman I don't know who she is I've tried to find her can't find her so if anybody out there knows or heard this story it was um back in um July 9th so um so the next few weeks were terrible and he uh, suffered greatly um, and then he passed. Um, so it's been quite a transition and, um, but we're, you know, we're, we're okay.
1: We're just moving along, navigating a new way forward. I, uh, my biggest memory of, uh, Brady is that smile always, oh. always smiling and, and love to goof off. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, anytime I was over here with you, he was always goofing off her. And I know messing with you or, mm-hmm. uh, liked cookies too, for my oh, recollection. Yeah. yeah.
0: Anything that had sugar in it. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, cause like, um, there are these kind of cookies that I love. They're, they're Italian cookies and I would have a box of them. I had to hide them in the house because I hid them in the guest room uh, so that he wouldn't eat them all. So I would be able to get one or two. Um, he was a fantastic guy. He was a terrific law enforcement officer. We had a, um, a wonderful wake for him to sort of, you know, showcase and celebrate his life. And some of his former co-workers came, guys that I had known for years. And um, we had, over, I think we had over uh, maybe 130 people show up, uh, people that I didn't expect to attend. I think it might have been a super spreader event. <laughs> we we yeah. all wore masks. Quite likely. I haven't heard of anybody yes. getting COVID as a result. But um, we really just had a, a, an amazing um, gathering and you were here and you've been so helpful to me, you know, when these things happen, I do think we should do a podcast sometime about kind of communications in these sort of personal circumstances because they're so different. Um, and I did have to be crisis manager at the hospital. So he was my, my ultimate client, but, um, um, I was, um, and still am surrounded by, the grandest, most loving people, you and your wife, Shantae, and Carolyn, and all my, you know, my girlfriends. And, um, you know, I, we've had to do things around the house to change things. And you hung my patio lights. Thank <laughs> that's you. Right, I, I think about, about you and that. thank you every night right. when I turn them on um, and help me put in a new ring doorbell. That's right.
1: So, uh, Television advice as well.
0: That's right, right. That's right. We have new smart TVs.
1: I help Sarah spend her money. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, so, um, you know, moving forward, Brady, Brady, I think, um, Brady would be really proud to see how everybody is kind of taking care of me. And, um, he loved everybody so much, all of our friends. And so,
1: well, I'm just, I'm glad we're back together. I'm glad we're kind of resurrecting the, the podcast and, um, certainly we'll, we'll do our darndest to keep it thriving and growing. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you. So again, on, on the program, we like to, to kind of break down the news articles that are happening today, and and with our superstar uh, journalist guest, uh, one of the uh, one of the articles we want to unpack today a little bit no. um, is all about relationships, right, Sarah? So, uh,
0: oh, nice! Uh, I saw what you did. You see there. what I
1: did? And this gentleman, uh, Jeff Zucker, mm-hmm. unpack this story for us mm-hmm. a little bit, Sarah. Okay, um, so. A couple,
0: it's it's a little dated now because we're just catching up um, with the rest of the world. We're all kind of actually focused on what's happening in Ukraine. Um, and uh, but um, so Jeff Zucker was the head of CNN, and um, story ends up where it comes out that he's had a relationship with a coworker, a vice president um, of marketing at CNN, and which was you know, we've since learned was an open secret. Everybody kind of knew about them. Um, neither one apparently is married, so it was, you know, consensual. Um, but it, the appearance is that, uh, you know, it's an internal relationship, and um, they were apparently supposed to, according to CNN HR policies, to he was required to let the organization know that he was in this relationship. And apparently he didn't do that. And that's the story that came out You know, then there's the discussion about him leaving, and ultimately he's forced out. And the um, woman, Allison, how's her last name? Galust, Galust or something. She stays, and she posts a letter that says she's going to continue to do the good work she's always done at CNN, and, um, you know, everything's hunky-dory. And then shortly after that, and she actually had worked for... um, Andrew Cuomo, um, his administration, before she came to CNN. And, you know, Chris Cuomo had been let go, and that was Zucker's, that was under Zucker's watch, and Zucker and Chris Cuomo were besties. So all of this starts coming out about how Chris Cuomo is forced out, that's going to be our phrase, forced out from CNN because of some of the things he is accused of doing when his brother, the governor, was having issues with sexual harassment allegations against him. So there's all of this bad behavior um, happening within the hallways of CNN, which is a news agency and is the world's, you know, most known news outlet. And, you know, we talk about this all the time, is it's really important that a news service have integrity and function according to a code of ethics. And when they don't, that's all they have You're because you're counting on them to be giving you good, reliable, accurate, truthful information. So they've got this internal scandal um, that's brewing. Uh, a few days later, it comes out that it's not an HR issue that they've violated. It's a um, news policy issue, which now becomes much more serious because that goes into the heart and soul of CNN and the work they do and their credibility and their integrity. So then Allison is no longer there. She's gone. she's She gets removed, forced out. <laughs> um, and in the meantime, Chris Cuomo is, I think, suing CNN to get a severance package or something, even though he's been removed, forced out for wrongdoing. And so it's just a big, messy uh, pot that they've boiled and for cnn which has already had other issues yep. with their credibility with um jeffrey Tubin, who you know was caught enter- you
1: know
0: entertaining himself <laughs> on a
1: zoom call interesting and <laughs> You don't see that on the news very often, do you? <laughs>
0: no, um, but his coworkers apparently saw it on the Zoom call. Wow. Can you imagine being no. on that call? Um, and so, you know, he gets suspended from CNN, but I would, he doesn't I would get so yeah, yeah, well, yeah. But he doesn't get forced out. Right, he's back. And so, if you look at CNN's kind of decision making in the past when they've had these kinds of issues, um, you know, Jason Miller, who was a Trump. Um, campaign worker. He was accused of, I think, assaulting his girlfriend or, or forcing her to have an abortion. I don't know, some kind of craziness. He was no longer on CNN. Uh, they, they have gotten rid of people in the past for discretions, indiscretions. And so it's sort of interesting to watch what's happened with CNN. And it's, and it's at a time when journalism is more important than ever, the integrity of journalism is more important than ever, and they're kind of um, self-inflicted ethical problems. And they're the very entity that looks at everybody else's behaviors. Right. So, it puts so it's it all really, out, in,
1: all out in the open, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're just kind of watching it.
1: Well, I'm curious, Carolyn, on your take on this too, because I, I'm yeah, I keep wondering, would this have caused a resignation or a forced outing 10 years ago? And do you think the climate today has altered or, or? That's a good question. <laughs> because I, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a, that big of a deal to me.
2: Well, I think there were, I mean, it's, like Sarah said, there are two levels to it. There's the, the bit about, you know, the affair and not, you know, not disclosing the affair, which brings up all kinds of questions, Exci- like exactly when in a relationship, do you have to declare, you know, if you have a one night stand, if you hold hands, you know, I mean, well, what, where's the line where you have to report it? I think that's kind of a murky thing. Right. But um, but it's also I think the, the greater uh, problem, like Sarah said, was when they started helping a source and somebody that they or somebody that they were covering, helping them navigate the waters. You know they were helping Cuomo craft a message, helping him defend himself against these sexual harassment accusations. That's where it really, really crossed the line. And you know, it can, You know, they say that the press in Washington is very incestuous, and that's that's true. But New York, I mean, with Zucker, you had not only his his um, his news career. But he was also at NBC over entertainment and had very close relationships with people like, for instance, former President Trump, who CNN was covering in a big way. And so, you know, there were all kinds of conflict of interest, uh, things that came up. And it's, it's just a it's a really tricky thing. Would this have been the same 10 years ago? I don't know because that was before Me Too. Me Too has really changed the the landscape as far as sexual harassment goes. So probably the sexual harassment was absolutely a no-go, non-negotiable problem. But, you know, this went far beyond just sexual harassment.
0: You know, what I also find troubling if I, uh, there's two things. When all of this news broke with Zucker, Um, so many of the anchors that we are familiar with and rely on at CNN came to his defense. And at the time, I think it was because they were linking it to just not disclosing the relationship that everybody knew about. And they were, you know, so many of them talked about how he had been such a great mentor. He helped their careers. He gave them jobs. And so they were grateful. So this, this is their good friend that is going through this. It's interesting to me to see when journalists go through that experience, because I represent people that go through that all the time. And it's the journalists that are being the one that are outing them and, and asking the tough questions and questioning all of that. Um, so that was kind of interesting to see. I haven't heard as much outcry when the issue shifted because it was a news uh, policy violation. And if I were one of the journalists that had been working on the Cuomo stories and found that Chris Cuomo had used what he got from, used me, his colleague, to help his brother in such a fashion, I would just be outraged um, and want him out. And so I think there are so many aspects to this story. It's a really, really big story. And it's one that there isn't really anybody to go and do a deep dive and really write it because, it's CNN, and maybe you know, sixty Minutes isn't going to touch it. Uh, you know, there's just nobody to um, show, you kind of show the truth and, and tell that story.
1: So, if, if you were to offer offer up advice to CNN, um, it, with all of this stuff going on in, in terms of crisis, how would you, how would you, what would you suggest to them to to help mitigate this?
0: You know, that's a really good question. They have PR people that were managing it. Um, I, th- and I think they, I think they did as good a job as they could. I think it's a problem. You can't go in a newsroom and tell your people not to talk, right. even though this podcast is called stop talking. Um, you really can't do that. I can remember back in the day, our friend, um, Alex Beasley, um, who used to work at the Sentinel, um, and is our, you know, our sweet Lynn's husband. Um, so years ago, there was a meeting with the publisher at the Sentinel. This was before your time there. And, um, our publisher came out and was going to talk about the state of the paper and all this. And we were sort of discouraged from, you know, don't ask him any tough questions. Don't embarrass the publisher or whatever you do. Well, Alex... Was never one to worry about that. And Alex asked a question about salaries. I just remember being in the back of the room, going, "Oh yeah, okay, here we go." And and I can remember Tip's face didn't change. I I don't think he liked it, but I just remember it being Alex of all people, because that was just so Alex. (laughs) He was pretty fearless. (laughs) So um, so in a newsroom, um, they have the same kind of management. Is the same kind of concerns um, about being embarrassed or or held accountable, uh, just like any other corporation. So um, I, I think they, you know, and they run the risk of any internal memos, which did, they became public. They also have Brian Steltler, um, Stelter who covers media um, with his Reliable Sources um, product, and he's written all about it. So I think Brian's done a really good job exposing and reporting as much as, as he can without getting fired, I guess, um, I, I would give the same advice to them as like, be forthcoming, um, have an internal town hall meeting, you know, take the risk of getting everybody, of having everybody run their mouths about it and make it public, but just tell, you know, tell the truth uh, and be be upfront about it, be big and bold about it because it's a mess. And that's the only way that you can preserve your credibility.
2: Well, and I would have to say that as unfortunate and as horrific as the Russian invasion of Ukraine is, that has done more to help CNN and pull its fat out of the fire, so to speak, mm-hmm. than about anything. Because everybody is still leaning on CNN to kind of guide us through these, you know, really Troubled times, and you know you see how diligent the reporters are, and how hard they're working to cover this. And so that has you know sort of drawn the fire away, so to speak, again, um, <laughs> drawn the fire away from that you know pretty awful story rocking their whole upper management.
1: Yeah, and actually the coverage of uh, the invasion is is nothing short of remarkable. I, I was watching uh, some of it this morning, in fact, and. Uh, one of the reporters ended up helping people carry their bags as they were trying to, to evacuate. Wow. So it was, I mean, she, she caught herself on cameras. She was trying to, you know, paint the picture. Um, people are trying to leave uh, to, to get away, and she's helping, she stops reporting and just starts helping people with yeah. bags. It it Give me goosebumps.
0: I have to say, I, I think, you know, cause frequently this podcast, when we were, when we were really, you know, up and running and, you know, we're going to get back up and running. Um, we poke a lot at media because that's I'm on the other side of them so much. And, but I've always made it clear that I, you know, I am, um, I have the heart of a journalist. It's how I started it. I have this, I use the same skill set, and and I value, and you know, it is the core for, Democracy is freedom, a free press. It, as as we watch what's happening in um, uh, Ukraine, these journalists are so brave putting themselves where they are and covering this and the journalists that are in Russia and the, um, you know, the Russian journalists that are being shut down. It is an amazing thing that we are all witnessing in global history. And, you know, when world war two and world war one happened, you know, there was no social media. And so, and as much as I dislike social media, this is where we see the power of social media and how, you know, journalists that you don't see on Television, or print, or our freelancers, how they're using their own social media channels to report what's happening. So we're getting, you know, real time um, visuals and um, information about the horrors that we're watching, and it is terrifying. Yeah. But if we didn't have these journalists out there who are willing to do that, and I've seen a couple of journalists that you normally see here, you know, in the United States covering stories, I don't normally equate them to um, war correspondents, and they're all becoming war correspondents it's 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 stunning
1: yeah it's it's definitely interesting and, and I'm very very curious about what kind of messaging is being transmitted in in Russia because um, I'm not quite hundred percent certain that they're the people are seeing the real mm-hmm. reality
0: yeah I mean
2: it's, I'm pretty sure they're not I mm-hmm. mean and I think it's uh, I I saw yesterday that they had they've uh, cut back the BBC transmission into Russia. That was becoming a big source of information for the average person. And of course, you know, one thing that I haven't heard people talk about too much is Voice of America, and they are. Some people would say that's the propaganda arm of the of the United States government. But my girlfriend, Carol Gunsberg, works there, and she is very, very adamant that what they do is really valuable to people who cannot, you know, get information any other way. And I'm sure Voice of America has been, you know, full tilt on trying to get that information in there. And they're even having to go low-tech in some ways, Um, BBC had started transmitting on shortwave radios because that is one thing that they can't do too much to block. You know, you can cut, you can cut the internet, but sometimes you can't get to a radio transmission. So I think it's, it's really interesting how people are reacting and, and adjusting to this, this really terrible time.
1: You know, um, where I work is, uh, I work at an animation studio now, which is, uh, an amazing job, but, um, we have animators all over the world and, Uh, you know, subcontractors, etc. And we have one or two in the Ukraine, and one in Russia. And it's fascinating because we use Slack and the unity between Ukraine and the Russian people that we're seeing right in front of our very eyes as as employers um, is is not only fascinating, but um, there is no support from the Russian people for what's happening, right? And it's just it gives me goosebumps thinking about this and, you know, how much power and control is being exercised right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and these poor people, you know, these, the, our folks in the Ukraine that work for us um, literally had to move, go find safe Haven and they're terrified and they express that on Slack. So, you know, as a company, we're seeing this manifest every single day just with our own team. Gosh.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think we are in a really scary situation, you know, in the world, it's, 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 you know, I have to stop watching some of the coverage because it, it'll, yes, yeah, it's chilling. Yeah. I would like to hear a little bit about Carolyn talking about when she worked in Washington and some of the things she was telling me last night about press conferences that she produced, um, you know, at the white house and, um, the, what was the fun pack? What's, um, who's the guy from NBC, Peter, Oh, Alexander. You know, and, and that he's so tall <laughs> that everybody has to stand on boxes next to him. Nice. <laughs>
1: tell,
0: tell us a little bit about that because when you were talking, because, we, you know, Carolyn, I, I, when we started talking about print, and digital. And she's worked with digital for a long time. And she's right that that transition has, a, you know, every journalist has to be all things. Um, but one of the things she was talking about is working on the breaking news and how um, competitive, competitive everything is. Because um, Carolyn still, you know, she can tell you what's happening. She's looking at her phone and reporting things that she's seeing. But she used to be in charge of that and pushing, tw- you know, uh, we were talking about um, Twitter And how um, important Twitter is and how they were using Twitter um, to, you know, push out more information and just the the competitive side of it, because I think it's kind of interesting. It helps me. I'm aware of the pressures that journalists are in getting out there and being first. But to hear somebody that's actually pushing it out was interesting to me.
2: Yeah. So one of the things we were talking about was about the push alerts. And like, for instance, you know, I'm looking at my phone. Here's a New York Times uh, push alert, which is the alert you get to your phone. So um, they got a breaking news thing. It was posted 11 minutes ago. Well, there's so much competition to be the first one out because if you're the first one out with that push alert, you get the clicks or you get an, a disproportionate number of the clicks. Sure. And that is extremely important. I mean, it's, it's amazing because we sit in a newsroom and watch in real time the number of clicks. In the USA Today Hub, we had screens all over the newsroom that showed us exactly when a story hit and we would just sit there and watch the number of clicks. And in real time, we would watch as the stories would just uh, move up and down in the readership. So you'd see a story start out at maybe, you know, it started out at five, it would jump up to one if it was a big breaking story. So there is so much competition right now to get these Push alerts out first, but you have to be accurate every once in a while. Every once in a while. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Every once in a while you get somebody who has to come back with a correction on a push alert. And and that is not good. That is (laughs) really not good. So, um, you know, at USA Today, we were constantly working to have that first push alert. And so a lot of times, you know, if you have a story, let's say, um, I'm thinking about, you know, a a big trial or something like that. Well, there are only two outcomes they are either going to be guilty or not guilty. So you write your push alerts ahead so that you, you know, so-and-so was found guilty on three charges and blah, 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 so that you've got that ready to go. And you can punch the button the minute that, that story comes in. Wow! And a lot of times you re you write the story in advance too. (laughs) And so every once in a while you'll get a, uh, you know, you'll call up the story and it'll say, um, you know, so-and-so was, uh, indicted XXX. (laughs) And that'll be, somebody has pre-written that story. It's ready to go. And they forgot to,
0: yeah, they forgot to fill in Thursday instead of XXX, you know? Oh yeah. Well, you know, we used to write, I mean, uh, every, every big news outlet has, uh, every big news outlet has their obituaries of. You know, VIPs and celebrities, those are all written in advance for, you know, to be at the ready. And it's the same thing on election night. We write all the outcomes, the possible outcomes. So then when the voting is <laughs> done, be exhausting. In the
2: so, <laughs> it's terribly exhausting because, you know, you've got you've got people who are expected to be covering breaking news that day and then also writing those stories that could happen at any moment so right. they're doing like double duty all the time i mean think about you know during the um during the Mueller investigation not only were we covering all the individual daytime you know every day the developments but we were having to write in advance all of the possible outcomes for the Mueller, you know, they, and do these sort of deep dives into different aspects of that investigation. So yeah, it's exhausting. And, you know, reporters start feeling like they're doing double work. They're doing two jobs instead of one job. So, um, I think Cause
1: you're writing the story 52 times. Yeah. 52, yeah. two different ways. Yeah. Different.
2: Yeah. Different ways.
1: I think it'd be fascinating to sit in that room. Like I'm such a geek. I would love to watch how these stories get ranked and pulled and, and, you know, overcome or like, I'm so competitive that I'd be like, take that CNN. I just knocked you down six notches, but (laughs) I'll bet that's, (laughs) Oh
2: yeah. Yeah. You're very competitive that way. And all the, um, all the scores that come out, you know, telling you about, you know, how many page views you've gotten this month and everything that's very competitive, but you know, to, you know, you're sometimes editors and reporters will goose up their stories in the sense that, that we will um, go back and rewrite the headline if, if the story's if it, if it's a really good story we know it's a good story we know it's an important story mm-hmm. we'll go back and rewrite the headline so that it puts in a couple more keywords or click, puts in a couple more bait. well not necessarily <laughs> clickbait but but you know something that will attract the attention you know you can write a really boring headline about anything yeah. you know official says blah blah yeah. and that's pretty boring but you know I, th- I one of the things that's kind of cracked me up about Orlando is that I I I look at all the um, you know Orlando Business Journal, Washington Business Journal. Those business journal people are fantastic about doing the clickbait kind of headlines. Yes. you know it's like this for Fortune 500 company is going to buy land at Lake Nona, which. Which Fortune 500 You're so company? so right.
1: And let me tell you what pisses me off about that. I don't have a subscription to that, and I and I get the I get them in my inbox, um, and they're gated, so I I get them for work, right? So I'll, I'll click because I'm I am. It's it's enticing enough where I'm like, damn, who is it? Because they leave that out of the of the subject line, right? And then you get to the damn article and you can't see the freaking thing. And it's like, hey, click here to subscribe. I'm like, bite me, News Journal. That's not going to happen today. <laughs> But yeah, that does...
2: and That's how they get subscribers. And they need subscribers, so
0: everybody should subscribe to every paper they can possibly subscribe to. That's my theory. But the downside of all of that is, you know, I'm representing somebody that's been accused of some awful thing, and those headlines get written, and they're not based necessarily on fact. They're more sensational, and that's all people read, or they read the... And the, the stories are written produced quickly. Um, there's not enough space to include something I might present as a, an opposing, um, perspective. And, and it is really all about, you know, those clicks. And so for, for a a story where somebody's, um, in trouble and, you know, rightfully or wrongfully, that's just so frustrating because that's really what it's come down to. But, you know, back in the day in print before social media, that's what headlines were. Um, they're always supposed to grab your attention and then you read and most people, you know, you read three or four paragraphs and, and move on. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's basic, it's, it's basic marketing, right? This is yeah. like, how do I st- stand out on a, on a, mm-hmm. on a rack of newspapers? And right. I see that enticing headline. I'm going right. to grab the copy. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a, great conversation fascinating and I, I, we're fascinating no now. we are and, and <laughs> i just i see that news i like i'm so excited in my head to see where you worked right like i, I painted a picture of i can show you some watch pictures. i want to see like
0: <laughs> we, just, she, geeking she, we out. would talk to her sometimes like an election night because i think i think on um, um election night i think you sent us a note saying it's not it's not good mm. and i think we were all like oh <laughs> um but
1: yeah i won't i won't forget that night yeah yeah.
0: Um, but Carolyn's had some really interesting experiences. Do you want to share the time that you threw yourself into the arms of Hillary Clinton and burst <laughs> into tears? Wow.
2: I'm, I'm hoping to throw my ar- myself into her arms again at some point just because I think it's so funny. <laughs> but I was at the uh, Florida Democratic Convention, and this was back – this was in the, um, in the 90s here. It was at the um, – it was at the convention center, I think, here in Orlando, and she got up and gave a, just a tremendous speech that looked like it came from absolutely no notes whatsoever. And uh, I kind of waited on the rope line, just watching. And um, I was probably there maybe forty five minutes as she met and you know did the meet and greet with everybody. And then when she got to me, I was going to say something about my daughter and you know because my daughter was a teenager at the time, and we were um, just you know, going through your usual teenage years. And, uh, Hillary looked at me and I just burst into tears. I don't know why (laughs) I just did. And apparently politicians get that all the time that people will just burst into tears. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, (laughs) for some reason I did and she came over and hugged me and comforted me and it was just awesome.
0: So there, we we just always throw that at, <laughs> at Carolyn. <laughs> you remember the time you threw yourself into the arms of Hillary, um, or if we're doing something and it's I think even after Brady passed and we were all hanging around here and I go, No, Carolyn, please don't burst into tears because then <laughs> Hillary's going to have to come and hug you. But
1: I can imagine. I mean, somebody you you really look up to and and seeing them in person and hearing them and I mean it's going to that's that's the goal, right? They, they want to reach your emotions
0: and she's gone to all of the big press events and the um you know the conventions yeah and and she'll send us pictures where she's sort of um you know photobombed some celebrity it'll be either a well-known journalist or a politician or something and she sends
1: us these pictures and it's like that's our girl that's nice (laughs) well we have a a few more minutes for one other uh interesting article that something smells funny at estee lauder (laughs) Sir, what's, what's going on in Estee Lauder? Yeah,
0: well, this was an interesting one. And this one we were discussing earlier. We don't think it got a lot of play because of what's going on in, um, Ukraine that the all eyes are elsewhere, but the CEO of Estee Lauder, apparently a couple of weeks ago posted a racially offensive, um, Meme. yeah. And I, 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 I want to say that I think he had the N word in there. I think that's how egregious it was. And. The company, you know, pretty quickly took action and uh, suspended him, and he has since been forced out. And but what's interesting about it is, uh, two years ago, Estee Lauder um, implemented a um, diversity—you know—it's a DEI program: diversity, um, equality, and inclusion. And um, because they are proactively, publicly trying to change their culture so that it is more inclusive and. Uh, so this happens and from none other than the head of their company and they immediately disciplined him and, and he's forced out. So it's, they kind of put their money where their mouth is and they're, you know, they're a global business. They're a, an iconic business and it's just sort of impressive that they did what they, Kind of they proved that they were yeah, true to like their zero
1: tolerance, and just, right. Yeah.
2: And the reason that Sarah and I have retained our youthful glow over these years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Estee Lauder.
2: We smell
0: so pretty. <laughs> and keep those free gifts coming. That's right. That's right. So, but I think it's I think it is um uh it's heartening to see a company that big and that powerful to really um stick true to this change in their culture. And it's like, we really mean what we're intending to do and we proved it. So,
1: and and I think we're seeing that with more and more uh, companies that just, they kind of have like this awakening of, Oh my gosh, we, we actually can, we can not, I don't want to say control, but, um, we have a responsibility, Mm -hmm. uh, to the people who follow us, to our customers, to, Mm -hmm. to, to have this ethical and, um, I, I don't know, moral stance, right? It's I mean, like, a, just like a, standards. A,
0: you know, um, some uh, humanitarian, uh, uh, just a more humane approach to business right. um, and understanding that uh, there is a new world. And we've been, we've broken down the whole, um, and yeah. just like that, the sequel to Sex and the City, because we're big Sex and the City fans. So we've been talking about all of that and how, de- how they dealt with it in this um, first season of the show. And... Um, so, so there is a whole new world out there and companies are having to be socially responsible in order for them to survive. And I think Estee Lauder, this is a simplistic overview of what actually happened and what they did, but it's still, I think, uh, something to take note of and to see that a business really is intentional in trying to change their culture and how they've conducted themselves.
1: And and Carolyn, what's your take on that? I mean, do you, do you, do you think these companies have this kind of moral, responsibility to shareholders, constituents, and and to, to I I guess the greater planet.
2: Yeah, I think they do. And just to be clear about the free gift, we're talking about their <laughs> promotions, not gifts to us, but right. their promotions.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, just
2: want to make that yeah. clear. They're
1: not paying us to mention no, them. No, 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 no.
2: But, but every time they offer that free gift, I buy something. Maybe so. they'll maybe they'll sponsor <laughs> our podcast now. But yeah, I think, you know, uh companies are deciding you know they're realizing that in this age of social media when you know something can go viral and just absolutely destroy them i mean look at coca-cola this this just happened in the last 24 hours coca-cola had refused to stop selling their products in russia well guess what they had to reverse of wow. course because you know, first of all, everybody was saying, Pepsi, go get them, you know, you're, you know, you're going to lose to Pepsi because Coca-Cola is still selling to the Russians and Coca-Cola had to say, look, you know, uh, we realize that our shareholders and our, our customers are saying that this is not a, uh, morally right thing for us to do and we're not going to do it anymore.
1: Wow. And I know Apple was one of the first to say, Oh, sorry, no more iPhones for you people. Yeah. But, um, but and yeah. That-
2: and one of the i'm sorry that's, the funniest thing was if you haven't looked at the coverage of the IKEA stores closing in Russia you got to see that on social media because
1: that's a blessing and. disguise no there was, right
2: no, there, was a, there was a run on IKEA in Russia because they're closing and so Oh wow um the coverage or you know the way people responded to that on Twitter is very very
1: funny It's like all these furniture stores here in Central Florida they're like how do they stay up they'll stay open for like a year and they're like all prices reduced, liquidation must go, everything must go. And, but, uh, man, I can, uh, I would, Ikea is, is, uh, not a place. But
0: I I think that's an interesting, that is an interesting thing that we're seeing when you talk about corporate responsibility and in this, in, in this moment in time, um, everybody is taking a stand and, uh, it's, I just, again, I don't think our generation has seen anything like this other than, the attack on September 11th when we were attacked and uh, you know in terms of a global shocking war event warlike like event so now um it, it perhaps when um even at the um, at president biden's state of the union there you know the two warring parties of congress um showed some solidarity uh in terms of ukraine so you know i think everybody's just kind of taking this really seriously and showing a little bit of
1: whatever but Keep i, I do out. appreciate the ones that take the lead right like the the first companies to, to be like you know listen I, and i saw a couple stories where they're removing russian vodka from uh, liquor mm. stores i think Publix is one of them actually mm-hmm. that's uh pulled yeah. them but um yeah this is a uh, definitely an interesting interesting time interesting world that's happening um but you know, on the show, we don't like to just dwell on all the negative, do we, Sarah? No, we don't. No, no we don't. And, dwelling. And, and there's a copious amount of uh, bad news stories that we could talk about all day. <laughs> um, but we like to unpack some good news too. So, is there, what are we? Unpack- I, I is there any one. good news? Tell there, us what there, it is. There, there is. This comes from the GoodNewsNetwork.org, and uh, I love that site. It's got a, a whole bunch of just heartwarming stories. Mm-hmm. So, if you're ever down in the dumps and you're sick of seeing all the the hatred and the Uh, But we just switched to sex in the city. Sure. You could do that too. (laughs) A little Netflix. Um, But so there's a HBO, (laughs) there's a former um, UK Royal Marine. And uh, he was moved by seeing pictures of families broken and separated by the conflict in in Ukraine. So he loaded up a 16 seater minibus with sleeping bags, pillows, and toys for uh, some of the refugees moving across the border into Poland Uh, He drove a thousand miles to personally deliver them. So, um, pretty awesome, right? I mean, just people, you know, with an extraordinary background doing amazing things and just reaching out and caring about humans. And, uh, you know, those are honestly some of the real heroes that we should be celebrating today.
0: That is a really nice story. That's really nice. I think in these times, you know, you see the worst of humanity. We are certainly seeing that.
1: Definitely. Um,
0: But then you see people that You see the best of humanity as well. Somebody like that guy um, stepping up. It is interesting. Everything is topsy-turvy.
1: It is. And let's shout out his name. It's Tom Little Dyke from Lime Regis. So uh, kudos to you, Tom. Uh, And Carolyn, we are so grateful that you spent some time with us. And of course, Margaret was a little bit quiet today, the the marvelous Margaret the Poodle.
0: I think Margaret deserves some kind of praise. Um, She's been in my lap. Now she's moving. She's been in my lap the whole time. She hasn't made a sound. Oh, oh no. she's awake now. now she yes. just, uh-huh. She's just looking up. Little girly girl. Girl.
1: So she's been a really good
0: little um, participant.
1: And has not growled at me for at least the last hour, So, which is nice. I know. She's 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 tolerating you now. <laughs> yes, yeah, she is. I'm, I'm tolerable sometimes. <laughs> but folks, we want to thank you so very much for uh, tuning in today and for sharing our, uh, our podcast. And Carolyn, uh, certainly a pleasure to meet you, a pleasure to spend some time with you. And uh, I hope I get asked back to do the podcast again someday. <laughs> um, but until next time, folks, we'd appreciate it if you'd share this with a friend, with a colleague, uh, with a roommate, with whoever. We don't care who you share it with. But uh, again, we, we so appreciate you uh, tuning in to the Stop Talking Podcast.